Today's reading comes from the book of Philippians, the third chapter reading from verses 17 through 21. And that's Philippians chapter 3 from verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is the word of God. Amen. Hey guys, good to see all of you again. Thanks Amanda for reading God's word to us. And I'm going to invite you now to, to pray. And the reason we're going to pray is not just out of tradition. We're going to pray because we need God's help to, to receive and, and respond to the words that, uh, that were just read to us from him. So let's pray. Our God, our Father, we, we ask that you would guide us into truth. And your word is truth. So help us to receive it. Give us all the grace we need to receive and respond to your word the way you want us to. And give me the grace I need so that the words that come out of my mouth are, that they would align with everything that you've told us in your scriptures. I pray, Father, that the, that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable to you. You're our rock. You're our redeemer. Amen. New Hope, you may or may not know this, but you are all imitators. All of you, imitators. I don't mean that as an insult at all. Uh, I don't even mean it as a criticism. It's just an observation. Because the fact is that there are certainly aspects of your personality that, that may be original, unique even, but there are also things about you that you observed in other people and copied. You copied them. You may not have even realized you were doing it. It may have been unconscious or conscious, but it happened nevertheless, and it still happens even now. And usually other people are, are better at noticing this about us than we are about noticing it in ourselves. But we all imitate. The Bible not only acknowledges that, but the Bible actually encourages it. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 7, says this, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Imitate their faith, God says. So under the inspiration of God, the apostle Paul, he wrote these words to a Christian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That's not the only time he expresses that either. We, we, we've been studying the letter to the Philippians lately, and in this letter, 
the section that we just heard from Amanda, Paul writes this. He says, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Imitation. Imitation. Paul's endorsing it. He, he's instructed. God commands us to imitate. But, but that's not where the letter to the Philippians starts, and I think that's what we need to realize that. Because before the Apostle Paul, in this letter to the Philippians, tells anyone what to do, he first tells us all what Jesus did for us. He, he outlines the message of the gospel. This message that, that, that consists in facts and news about who Jesus is as a son of God and, and what he did to rescue and redeem and reconcile us to the God who made us. To rescue and redeem and reconcile guilty people to God. So what Paul does in the early parts of this book is he explains all that. And, and this book is really a letter that was written to a church. He explains that forgiveness and acceptance with God, it can be ours. But not because we deserve it or because we earn it. Not because we're good people. We can't be good enough to make ourselves acceptable to God. We can't be good enough to make up for our failures, our sins. No, forgiveness and acceptance with God must be received as a gift for free by trusting in who Jesus is and all that he did when he died, when he allowed himself, really, to be crucified in the place of guilty people. He took our punishment, New Hope, to rescue us from the wrath we deserved, to redeem us from the enslaving power of sin, and to reconcile us to a God that we had alienated ourselves from. And praise God for that gospel. Praise God for that gospel. And it's only after the Apostle Paul lays all that out that he says, now, here's what you need to do if you've believed that gospel, if you've received that free gift of acceptance and forgiveness with God, now here's what you need to do. Not to earn it, but to live in light of it. Here's how it should affect the way that you walk out your life. He says it in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. In other words, only live in a way that's, that's informed by, that's shaped by what Christ has done for you. Live a life that aligns with what he wants for you. Worship him. Value what he values. Pursue what he tells you is good. As Jenny said before, she was praying, it, it, it's a, allowing God to take captive all of our thoughts so that they will be obedient to him. That, that's some of what's involved in this idea of walking worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, Paul Lou knew that, that living this way, that living out the implications of the gospel in a broken world is going to be hard. It's always going to be hard. It's never going to be easy. He also knew that living this way it couldn't, it's not something that can just be taught. It's something that must be caught. It must be picked up from others. 
You see, we don't just learn by studying and hearing about Jesus what it means to walk worthy of the gospel. No, we actually need to see it done. We need to, we need to experience it around us. We don't just learn it. We, we catch it. So yes, we need lots of instruction, and the Bible gives us lots of instruction, but we also need real-life examples to follow. Now, it might sound arrogant for the Apostle Paul to say, imitate me, but it's what he says. Imitate me. But, but we need to realize it's really not arrogant because the Apostle Paul knew he had not arrived. He says so. We saw this last week in verses 12 to 14. He says, I'm not, I haven't yet arrived. I'm not yet the man that God wants me to be. I don't know Jesus the way I want to know Jesus. I'm not living the way I want to live fully, but I'm on my way. I'm progressing. I'm growing. I'm maturing. I'm, I'm chasing hard after what it means to live worthy of the gospel. He was still learning and trying to know Jesus, and he knew he wasn't a perfect example. He also knew he wasn't the only example. He's just an example and a pretty good one. But earlier, the Apostle Paul said in this letter, he said, look at these other guys. Look at Timothy and Epaphroditus. They're examples for you too. Look, look at the way that they care for others. Look at the way that they sacrifice to serve Jesus. Even in this passage that, that we just read in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul says, keep your eyes on those, plural, who walk according to the example you have in us, plural. He's saying, watch people that model what it looks like to know and follow Jesus. I'm not the only one. There are others, he says. But he also goes on to say, be careful who you watch. Be careful who you watch. You see, because Paul knew that imitation for us as humans is inevitable. We're going to do it. But he also knows that imitation can be dangerous because we can imitate the wrong things. Some of us have gotten into a lot of trouble in our lives because we imitated the wrong things, perhaps early in life. Or we can imitate the wrong people. Or we can imitate for the wrong reasons. So, so the question we have to ask is, how do we do this well? How do we imitate others wisely in the way that God wants us to? You see, the Apostle Paul, inspired by God, he shows us how to do that. He shows us how to be wise, discerning imitators. He gives us four pieces of counsel in this passage, at least four pieces of counsel. We're going to look at each of them. The first one is this. He teaches us to be intentional about imitation. Be intentional about imitation. See, Paul knew that, like we said, imitation is inevitable. It's going to happen. But he wants us to do it with intentionality. He wants, to do it, he wants us to do it with, with purpose. He wants us to ask, whose example am I really going to follow? And why? Who should I be looking at and modeling my life after? Because he doesn't want us to just unconsciously absorb behaviors, beliefs, goals from people. That's going to happen naturally anyway. It, it happens passively. But what Paul describes is a, a purposeful imitation. It, it's, it's on purpose and it's active. 
He says, in other words, decide who you're going to imitate. Think about it. And scope out the people that you believe you should imitate. He also implies that we need to be intentional about what we pick up from other people. <laughs> you see, what he's, what he's calling us to is something that goes beyond just superficial copying of others. He says, keep your eyes on or, or, or scope out those who are modeling Christ-likeness, who resemble Jesus. Not, not so you can parrot and mimic them, dress like them, use the same exact words as them. No, it's deeper than that. When I was a kid, my friends and I, we had our favorite basketball players who we wanted to emulate. Uh, we wanted to emulate their, their moves, their, their style, their, 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 their swag, if you will. But very few of us ever really thought to emulate their work ethic, their practice, their discipline. So really, the kind of imitating we were doing was very superficial. If you're a basketball fan, you, you can try to mimic Steph Curry, Damian Lillard. You, you, can, you, can, you can start putting up step-back three-point shots from 40 feet away from the basket, just like them. But, but if you don't imitate the practice regimen, the, the, the skill development, the, the drills that supported the development of those skills, then the result is going to be, it's going to be comical, isn't it? You see, healthy imitation is not about aping the behavior of people or, or just parroting, regurgitating the words that they say because you admire them. No, it goes deeper than that. But I wonder if we ever imitate others in a superficial way like that. Like we see qualities in, in someone that, that strike us as, as admirable, desirable. But, but rather than try to understand how they got there, how they became the people that they are, we just try to look and act like them. And... and Paul says this, this can lead to the appearance of holiness, 2 Timothy 3.5, but it's only skin deep, it's superficial. God urges us past that kind of superficial copying to something that's, that's more thoughtful. According to the Apostle Paul, wise imitation requires keeping your eyes on others, open, not to judge them, but to focus on them. In, in a way that's more than just superficial. It's, it's more than learning to say the right words and look the right way. No, imitating a Christ-like example involves trying to see what lies under the, the outward qualities that you admire. What's underneath those? It requires you to, to, to look at the, the habits that, that undergird and, and foster those visible characteristics that you want to develop. And that requires intentionality, doesn't it? It doesn't just happen naturally. As you, as you think about that, are there people that, that God brings to mind for you? Are there people that he's put in your life that you see as examples of what it looks like to follow Jesus? Uh, people who you want to ask, how did you grow to be the person you are? Maybe you don't even have to ask that question directly, but, but you want to ask questions to get at that. 
You want to get close to those people and figure out how did they, how did they grow these admirable virtues? How did they become like Jesus? Maybe it's someone older than you. Maybe it's just someone that's followed Jesus longer than you. But I encourage you to think, are there names that come to mind? They may not be particularly impressive people, but they're faithful people. They're like Jesus in flawed, limited, but very real ways. And by the way, in order for us to do this kind of imitating that Paul's talking about, this requires the Holy Spirit's power. Make, make no mistake. Anyone, anyone can mimic behavior to a point, right? But, but if we want to imitate the heart level character that, that our sister or our brothers ha- have developed, we, we, need more than, we need more than just willpower and observation skills. It, look, if, if the Spirit of God has changed someone, matured someone that you know to the point that, that when you look at them, you see them and you think, I want to be like that. I want to experience joy like this person experiences joy. Or I want to I exhibit patience like they do. Or I want the courage that they have. I want, I want to live with integrity the way that this person does. Look, if the Holy Spirit empowered them to live like that, you're not going to imitate it without the Spirit empowering you. You'll just be able to mimic it. Inauthentically, artificially. I want to be clear about this. The, the imitating that we're talking about here, it requires supernatural empowering from God. So, so step one, when we read about imitating people who are like Jesus, step one always has to be believing in Jesus Christ, ourselves, and receiving him as Lord. Because he promises you to give you his spirit, to live in you, to enable you to do more than than just surface-level mimicking of those you admire. Like kids trying to dress like and play like their favorite basketball player. He can empower transformative change at a deeper level. So Paul says, first of all, be intentional about imitation. But then he goes on. Let's speed up here. He says, consider the walk, not just the talk. When you're looking at others and you want to determine, is this, should, I, should I model my life in some way after this person? He says, consider the walk, not just the talk. Philippians 4.17, Paul doesn't say there, keep your eye on those who say the things I say and teach the things that I teach. No, he could have said that, but he says, keep your eye on those who walk according to the example you have in us. In a way, it's walk over talk. And then he goes on, look at verse 18 of Philippians 4. He says, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, They walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. They walk as enemies of Christ and his cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory, and they glory in their shame. With minds set on earthly things. Paul is telling us who not to imitate here. It's people who walk as enemies of the cross. That that means their lives contradicted the gospel. It means the, the way they operated, it, it didn't make sense in light of the gospel. Here's the thing, though. They might have identified themselves as Christians. They may have identified themselves as people who believed 
the gospel. They might even talk like friends of Christ, but they walk as enemies of Christ and his cross. And so Paul says, look beyond the talk. Look at the walk. They, they may not explicitly oppose the gospel, but with their lives, they would contradict it and undermine its credibility because they consistently did not live like people who had been rescued and redeemed and reconciled to God. You see, the person he's describing here is the person who says, I believe in Jesus, but at the same time, they're ruled by selfishness and greed. Their life isn't shaped by the commandments and the example of the person they claim as Savior. And as Paul writes these words, he says it's bringing them to tears. He's crying over the faces that are coming to mind. He must have had people in mind that he loved, who, people who had committed verbally to follow Jesus, people who had said they loved Jesus, people who had asked to be baptized in the name of the triune God, but it was all talk. It didn't look like all talk at the get-go, but what emerged over time is that it was a superficial, artificial discipleship and following of Jesus. He says what became evident over time is that they worshipped not Jesus, but their belly. It's an interesting term, right? They worshiped their belly. Their, their God was their belly. It, does, it means their appetite. It doesn't necessarily mean that they were uh, gluttonous, but, but what it meant is that they were all about themselves. They were about satisfying their own desires, fulfilling their passions. Their, their minds were obsessed with things that Paul calls earthly. And earthly doesn't necessarily mean bad. It means temporary, though. Lesser things like wealth, comfort, power, respect, sex. No, not bad things, but temporary things, lesser things, not eternal things. And whatever they might be, the result is that the gospel itself, the, the call to believe the gospel, deny self and follow Christ, that didn't sound so good to these people anymore. They had lost their way. In 1 Timothy 3, Paul calls people like this lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And then he says, avoid such people. Wow. That's the opposite of imitating, right? It's not even pay them no mind. It's avoid such people. I can remember the very first time that I heard about a Christian leader who turned out to be an enemy of the cross of Christ. It, it happened when I uh, had recently begun to, to follow Jesus myself, and I joined a church, and, and there was this missionary, a, a pastor missionary, that, that we used to pray for regularly. I'd never met him personally, but I'd come to admire him because of what I had heard about him and the reports that he would send us, the prayer requests. And then one day I was in a prayer meeting and it was announced that this man had disappeared. And the whole thing just sounded shady from the get-go. Something went off in my head like, this doesn't seem right. In a few months it was discovered that he had left his family and he was living with another woman. 
It also turned out that he had developed a habit of visiting prostitutes in the city where he was, quote, called to spread the gospel. And this shocked me, of course. Now, now, now that was probably 20 years ago. But since then, I regret to say, and I'm sad to say, that I've lost count of how many other stories I've heard like that, or stories that I've witnessed like that. Some were famous people, celebrity leaders, so to speak. People with international platforms and best-selling books. I didn't witness that, but I certainly heard about that. But what I witnessed firsthand sometimes were leaders who were operating in obscurity, in small churches. They had the appearance of godliness, but they denied its power. Now, we can take a lot of lessons and warnings from that, can't we? For, for one, and this is what I learned as I've heard about so many of these stories over time and seen people be exposed this way. I've learned that if you think you're standing firm, you should be careful lest you fall. So 1 Corinthians 10 says, I've learned that we need to watch and pray that we may not enter into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's Mark 14. But that's not the warning that Paul gives here in Philippians 3. The warning he gives in our passage today is this. Don't be naive. Don't imitate people like this. Don't be naive and imitate them. Because their end is destruction, he says. But there must be something about them that's attractive that makes you want to imitate them or else Paul wouldn't have to tell you this. Beloved brothers and sisters, um, gifts and, and talent can impress us, can't they? Even, even within the, the, the church world, even with, within the, the, the realm of, of church and Christianity and ministry, what, what we can be impressed by what looks like powerful, effective ministry. It, it can move us. We, we can be touched by the, the insight of a, of a teacher, the, the brilliance and, and visionary talents of a, of a leader. We can be impressed by the, what looks like fruit from their ministry. We might read their books and share their podcasts. We might even imitate them because they look so good. I mean, they, they seem inimitable. And so we want to try to imitate and be like them. Paul says, look beyond the talk to the walk. Look out, in fact. In the words of Hebrews 13, 7, consider the outcome of their way of life. Don't just consider the words, the outward appearance. Because the fact is that fraudulent and abusive and, and immoral leaders are being exposed. I don't know if you've tracked with this or not, but there is a lot of exposing going on in Christian world right now. I'm sure it's always been happening, but it seems to be intensifying. And that's brought disappointment and hurt to some of us. For those who are victimized by some of these fraudulent, abusive, immoral leaders, their exposure probably brings a lot of relief 
But to some of us, it's, it's brought pain. I know for myself, it, it's easy for me to get cynical. Cynical. I'm, I'm, I'm there, actually. This is not, this is not just me sharing a, in passing. This is a confession to you, church. I, I find myself growing cynical. And I'm fighting it. And I'm trying to repent of it. I've gone from a young, naive Christian, impressed by others, to, to, to becoming an old, cynical, suspicious Christian who thinks twice before trusting, trusting myself to leaders, to ministries, especially if it looks like these leaders are, are kind of crassly uh, drawing attention to themselves or to their gifts, to their podcasts, to their books, their connections, or whatever it is. It, it, looks, it looks like they're, they're building a platform for themselves and, and using the name of Jesus to, to do that. And, and when I start to get a whiff of that from time to time, I, I find that I have no stomach for it anymore. I want to get away from it. But then, of course, I remember that some of the famous leaders that turned out to be fraudulent, some of them looked real humble and, and, and sincere, at least from a distance. So I end up thinking, who do I know to trust? How do I know who to trust? New Hope, here's why I'm saying this. I don't want you to be cynical. I don't want me to be cynical. But I don't want you to be naive either. We, we need a spirit-empowered discernment, especially when it comes to the question of, of who are we going to model our way after? Who are we going to try to serve like, live like? Giftedness and brilliance and, and charisma, it, it can't be what draws us. If, if you're going to follow someone, you need to know, what, what do they worship? Like, really? What, what do they really care about? What are they after? And all this means that imitation is best done locally. It's best done locally, where you can see the walk and not just hear the talk. Because someone's online presence may be attractive and it might look super godly, but behind it, there may be a life and a character that's so unlike Christ. Again, I'm not urging you towards cynicism. The fact is that imitation is best done locally where you can see the walk and not just hear the talk. The people that God wants you to emulate, emulate <laughs> the people that God wants you to emulate are the flawed but faithful people that he's put in your life. Who, who you're close enough to, to hear them talk and to see how they walk. They, they may look unimpressive in a lot of ways, but there's so much good that God has for you there. If you will look, there is so much good that God is doing in them, so much that you, if you can get close to and see and absorb. Maybe it's the way they're trying to raise their kids to love Jesus. Or maybe it's the way they're trusting Christ in a tough marriage and, and doing what they can in faith to, to love their spouse. 
Maybe, maybe it's the way that they're living other-centered lives with generosity. Or, or they're living with courage to represent Christ in their workplace. The fact is there are so many examples in every Christian community. And there are so many examples in our community here. If we're willing to look and, and discern, imitation is best done locally. In the church, in the home, kids, your parents were put in your life for many reasons. One of them is so that you would imitate them. And I say that as a parent, and I know when I hear that, I get nervous. I can see nervousness in some of your eyes, some of you parents. But let's embrace that. Parents, embrace the fact that you've been placed there as a model, as an example to be followed. And kids, embrace that too, that these are the people that God's put in your life for you to emulate. Not the only people. So you've got locally, you have parents in the home, you've got pastors and, and brothers and sisters in the, in the church. You see, according to God's design, instruction is supposed to happen in the same context where imitation can happen. In God's design, instruction and imitation happen in the home, in the church, where you have access to people's teaching and access to their lives. You can see what they really live like. But now, this, is, this has changed, of course. I think modern technology has changed it. The internet certainly changed it. Someone can have the authority in your life to teach you from afar. They have influence in your life without any kind of accountability to you. The fact is, I believe it's God's design that if the people providing instruction within the local church are not living lives that are worthy to be imitated, then they sh their instruction should not be received. That makes me nervous even saying that. I'm only saying it because I think it's true, not because I really want to say it. The fact is that God is not calling teachers in the church or parents in the home or, or in any other context to be perfect models, but he is calling us to be sincere, intentional models of Christ-likeness. So if the walk is not there, you have permission from God to pay no attention to the talk in the context of local church. He says, keep an eye on the walk, not just the talk. And then we're almost done here. He says also, he says, remember where your citizenship is. If you're going to imitate wisely, you've got to remember where your citizenship is. Paul knew how easy it is to, to imitate those who are winning by the world's standards. There's a reason that, that billionaire entrepreneurs have a huge online following. It's because we want what they got. We're impressed by them. The, the celebrity influencer phenomenon. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but it's based on the same idea. Here's someone who, who has what you wish you had and lives like you wish you lived. And, and, and you can get a little closer to their life if, if you looked like them or if you bought the products they used. You, if you imitate them, your life will be a little better. You're told. But by whose standards will your life be any better? What, what makes that attractive to us is that this person has what this world wants. But in verse 20 of 
Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, this changes everything. Where your citizenship lies shapes what you're going to want and what you chase after and what matters to you. I'm not going to imitate you if we're not chasing the same thing. Why would I? And that doesn't just go for billionaires or or celebrity influencers. It it goes for our colleagues who are a few steps ahead of us in, in their career, for instance, or our neighbors who live lives that look really attractive to us. We need to say, I won't emulate you if, if what you're chasing doesn't matter in the kingdom that I belong to. If, we, if we're from different kingdoms and we've got different goals, citizenship in different worlds, Paul says, scope out those who embody the values of the kingdom of God. Imitate that. And what are those values that matter in the kingdom of God? It's not wealth. It's not success. It's not power. It's not even charisma. It's not even brilliance and and intelligence or possessions or influence. Those all get you somewhere in this kingdom, but they're worthless eternally. Paul says, scope out and imitate humility, compassion, courage, integrity, Citizens of this world may look up to to people who who get ahead, who who conquer. But in the kingdom of heaven, it's those who consider others more important than themselves that are to be imitated. It's those who are good at repenting and confessing and forgiving. Those are kingdom skills. It's hard to monetize those skills in this kingdom, but they're really, really valuable where we're headed. If you want some traits to scope out and imitate, read Matthew chapter 5. It'll only take you a couple of minutes. There you'll see what Jesus says are traits to be imitated. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, the meek, those who hunger for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Though that might not get you noticed here, but if your citizenship is in heaven, those matter. So remember where your citizenship is. And lastly, lastly, remember who your Savior is. If you're going to imitate wisely, you must remember who your Savior is. And here's why this matters. You need to remember that the person you're imitating is not your Savior. That the person you look up to that the person that you said, I want to be like that, that's not your Savior. Philippians 3, verse 20, again. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Savior. So what's Paul's point here? It's simple. He's saying, imitate, but don't idolize. Imitate Christ-like people but don't idolize them. Imitate people that look like Christ, but only trust as Savior the real Christ. In the end, your examples may likely fail you. It's God's design. Isn't it interesting? He tells us to imitate one another, 
And we're meant to do that. But he knows that sometimes the people we imitate are going to disappoint us. He knows that. It's part of the design, you see. Your role models will let you down. At times, my faith has been shaken by that. When people I look up to fail, it, it somehow affects my faith in Christ, which tells me that maybe my faith wasn't in Christ to begin with. It was in this person. Now, of course, if you've been uh, abused, if you've been uh, uh, hurt deeply by a leader in the church, it's quite natural that that would affect your faith in Christ because that person was put there to represent Christ to you. And so when they mistreat you, when they lie to you, when they abuse you, it's very hard for us to somehow separate this from our idea of who Christ is. It's quite natural for us to have a crisis of faith in those situations. But that's why Paul is saying, listen, listen, remember who your real Savior is. I know my faith has been shaken at times when people I respected were exposed as cheaters or as abusers, but, but also when people I respected seem motiv- started to, to seem motivated by, by power more than Christ-likeness. And when you see people that you respected sell out for political reasons or for financial reasons, whatever, it's really, it hurts us, doesn't it? When, when people that we're imitating seem to, all of a sudden, they care more about the values of this world than what matters to Christ. It can, it can set our faith spinning but we can't let that lead us to, to dismantle our faith. We can't let that lead us to, to deconstruct the core of what we believe. We, we need to recall who our Savior really is. It's not the people who you admire and model your life after. It's only Jesus. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This passage we're reading today ends with these words. He will transform your lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Listen, we imitate others because we want to be different. We, we want to be somehow better than we are now. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you will imitate others in a quest to become more like him ultimately. That's the goal, right? The goal isn't to become ultimately like this person. It's, it's imitating them as a means to becoming more like Jesus. But know this, imitation will only get you so far. At times you're going to fail. At times your role models and mentors will fail you. But your Savior, no, he's not going to fail. One day, in fact, he's going to return and he's going to conform you perfectly to his likeness. To the person you were always meant to be. That, that's the end game for you, Christian. No matter how many mentors let you down and how many people you imitate badly or fail to imitate well, the end game is this, Christ-likeness for you. Because Paul said it earlier in Philippians, he said, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to finish the work. And he's the only person that can do that. So, New Hope, no matter how many people might disappoint you, including yourself, your Savior will not disappoint. This is our hope. So let's humbly, discerningly, and intentionally seek to imitate one another as you see examples that look like Jesus. That requires us to, to be like near each other, right? It's very hard to do that virtually. How do you imitate some virtual? I don't know how to do that. I know that when we're, when we're pushing closer, um, as, as God allows, into community with, another, with one another, 
the opportunities to scope out and imitate. Then those opportunities open up for us there. So let's push into community as God allows in the season. Let's scope out one another's lives, not to judge, not to criticize, but to see evidences of God's grace at work in people's lives and say, I want that for myself. Lord, help me to grow in that area, even as, as you help them to grow in some other area. Yeah, let's pray. God, our Father, we thank you for the many, many, many ways in which you have provided us with examples of godliness. We, we, we confess that there are lots of bad examples around us too. But you've given us some good ones within the local church. You've surrounded us with them, Lord. Not perfect examples, but, but good and sincere ones. Help us to open up our eyes, to be humble enough to say, I don't have it figured out. I haven't arrived. I want to learn from the brothers and sisters around me how to better know you and follow you. Give us the grace to do this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.